Welcome to This Is Only a Test, Episode 1, for Friday, March 5th, 2010. Smith with me is Norm Chan. Hello. Hello. So uh, what's going on, Norm? Well, it's our first podcast. This is the first real podcast. First we, real one. We did a preview preview cast last week. So this is this is the real deal. The the real tamale, the hot business. Yes. I'm gonna keep saying things until you start talking. So we have a site. Yeah, we have a site. Well, not not as we're recording this. We well, I mean we do have a site. By but the you time guys you hear this, by the time you hear this, the site will be there. You um, I guess you could have said that about the last show too, though. Yes. Yeah. So also also true. Um, pretty much the new deal is exactly the same as the old deal. But this this week we're going to talk about real technology stuff instead of, um, you know, kind of the stuff we were talking about last week, which is really not at all technology related. No. Um. So first thing that's on the site right now, uh, it's actually attached to the manifesto, which is the very first post on the site. Um, you should totally check it out because it's really funny. Uh, Norm and I went out in the field and tested some waterproof flip cases, flip flip camera cases. Mm-hmm. Um, Norm, you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, sure. So we actually just tested one waterproof flip case, the official one that you got. Well, and and and, and then an alternative. Uh, I don't know if we right. want to spoil it. I, on I think the show. I think we should. Well, I mean, basically, let's just say that there were lots of dick jokes. Sure. Um, yeah. So wait, wait to be wait classy on the first video. I, well, you know, I, I like to, uh, you know, it's it's what we're all about, dick and fart jokes. So, yes. um, no, it's, uh, it was actually interesting because, I mean, we wanted to find a less expensive way to keep your flip camera safe and, and mm-hmm. all that. Um, and, and I got to throw buckets of water at Norm, so yeah. that was pretty fun, too. Um, so definitely check it out. It's at tested.com, uh, and it'll be the first post on the page. There'll be a video down at the bottom. Um, what else about we went up to? Let's see. I, I did Nexus One review the other day. That'll be up on the site as well. Okay. Um, how, how, it, I mean, Nexus One. You're running the newest Android version. Yeah, it's Android 2.1 change. Basically, it's updated version of the original Nexus of the Nexus One firmware, and and actually, it's not that significantly changed from the firmware firmware that shipped on the Droid. Which, um, I mean, the big things that there's a lot of cosmetic stuff that changed. There's some new widgets in 2.1. Performance seems to be a little bit better, although it's hard to say because the the Nexus One's Snapdragon CPU is like 200 megahertz faster than the Droids. So, um, I mean, from where I sit, the big improvement is that the the handset's actually you know there's no useless keyboard. It doesn't have the dumb D-pad. It does have a kind of you know unnecessary trackball um but i mean aside from that it's it's pretty good they seem to fix the keyboard problems that i had with the maximum pc review unit um i i haven't actually had any kind of keyboard problems at all with this phone uh and i've been using it nonstop for about the last month so, so. here's a question for you you've been using Nexus one i know you had an iphone before have you do you watch video on your nexus one you mean like TV and stuff that I ripped or – TV that you ripped or YouTube download or, or anything? whatever. Yes. Um, what is I, your media consumption like on the Nexus One? I don't really watch video on my iPhone except for when I'm on a plane or something like that. So um, I'm probably not a good person to ask. I mean I have. You can. I definitely mm-hmm. tested it out. It, it, the, the presentation isn't that good. There's no kind of unified media app a la the iPod app on, on the iPhone. 
Um, the thing I do use it for a lot is podcasts. It has the greatest podcast viewer app that I've ever used. Okay. You know, basically, you can search for the name of a podcast, mash the button to subscribe right there, download tracks. You can listen to them on the fly. It'll stream. Um, and you can do it over 3G, which is really nice. It even works over Edge, which is, you know, I'm still on AT&T. So I'm okay. actually right now using my Edge SIM for my AT&T phone in the Nexus with, with no real ill effects. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I use an iPhone. I use it a lot for media. And I know it's, it's because it has, you know, the, the iTunes app or the, uh, the iPhone, iPod. iPod app. Um, so it makes playing music and video really easy. And I haven't had much experience with, you know, the Droid or the Nexus one. But it, is that is that experience seamless? I mean, is it like you have to go through menus to open um, files? and You know, it's definitely not like the primary purpose of the phone, right? I mean, the primary – it's – the stuff that the Nexus is best at is Gmail specifically. Like, if you use a Gmail account as your primary email, it's absolutely rad. Um, it does. It, it's really well integrated with all the Google apps. Um, it's a, the web browser is great. It's really nice to have the extra resolution on the screen when you're when you're viewing the web. I, I find myself using uh, just a straight web browser much more frequently on the Nexus than I do on the iPhone. But the media is definitely the weak point. I mean, I talked about it a little bit in my review. I definitely talked about it in my Maximum PC review. Um, the the I mean, even the music browser is not that great. I mean, it, it's definitely passable, but there's nothing sexy like CoverFlow or anything like that. There's no uh, – because there's no kind of uh, sync application that comes with the phone. You can There's a couple of third-party alternatives out there to copy that content over. But, I mean, it's not it's not a kind of unified it's, – it's definitely not a good interface uh, for music listening. But, I mean, like I said, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I have them all queued up. Basically, what I do is it, it, it'll download them automatically to the phone when it's when it's on Wi-Fi or I think even over 3G now with the latest update. And, um, I mean, in that regard, it is super cool because I just plug it into the car in the morning and the stuff's already there. I never have to sync with – I mean, it always annoys me that I have to sync with iTunes just to download podcasts, which are free and available on the internet. So why do I have to use a PC to connect to get those to pull those that content from the internet? Um, the other stuff about it, the I mean, I talk about it in the review some, but the camera is really good or significant. I mean, it's not it's not going to replace obviously even a decent point and shoot. You know, for for what it is, it's one of the best camera phones I've ever seen. It's five megapixel. It has a pretty good LED based flash. Um, what else? I mean, it takes it, it. It's it's actually quite a nice camera, much better than the Droid. The Droid's camera was abominable. Um, other stuff. The I mean, there's a couple of little weird things that are kind of aptly about it. I mean, you can't or I can't figure out how to arrange the favorites. The you know the favorite callers on the call list. So you you know you star a, you star a caller, um, and then it's alphabetized in that list. So. Despite the fact that I would like my wife to be the top call on the list because she's the one person I call the most, um, it, it has whoever's you know alphabetically first and that at the top of that list. So I told her she should change her name to Brenda. She didn't think that was that funny. And in the testing you did, I mean, right now you are on an AT and T contract, so you just have your your SIM card in there. Right. Right. And then the reason, I mean, Nexus One has been out for a little bit, but the rumor is that it's going to come out on Verizon. Possibly at the end of this month. March. Not a rumor. I mean, so that's that's gonna. They they advertised when they launched the phone. They said spring. Springtime and or Q one. Spring even. is near, nearing the end. Q one ends in you know few 20, 25 days. Um, March twenty third is the date that everyone says Nexus One is coming on Verizon. That's coincides with uh, CTIA. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So 
it, it's it's worth. I mean, we don't know whether the hardware is going to be the same or different because you know whether it'll be the same. Hard- I I would assume that the hardware is going to be more or less the same. In fact, actually, I would even assume that the Verizon version of the phone will probably have a GSM slot. Okay. Um, I mean that's that's my guess. It's no, there's no actual information. Nobody's I haven't talked to anybody about it, but that would that would be my assumption. Yeah, I mean if the, I I would assume same hardware, same screen. I mean the OLED screen's really nice. It doesn't do quite as well in um in the bright light as say the iPod screen, but I I'd, I'd rather have the higher resolution and the less battery draw. I mean the thing that's amazing about it is it it lasts. Where my 3GS is running out of battery by the end of pretty much any day. The uh, Nexus seems to do pretty well for a day and a half, even two days if you don't use it very much. So, um, I, I mean, so that's there, there's that. I mean, that's the Nexus. We, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. It's kind of an old phone, so it's weird to talk about it on the first episode of the show. We will be more current once we are established and the site is running. The big news this week is uh, Apple's lawsuit um, against HTC. Um, well, there's two big news. There's two big Apple Apple things this sure. week. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about the HTC thing first. Um, I wrote up a story for it on the blog. Uh, basically, it, Apple is suing HTC for patent infringement and lists a pretty hefty list of like 20, 20 patents. There's two things. There's a complaint filed by the uh, uh, to the International Trade Commission, and there's a Delaware District Court filing as well. Um, they're a little, they're a little different, but I mean, the gist is they're suing Apple, uh, they're suing HTC, Apple suing HTC rather for patent infringement over everything from the swipe to unlock motion on the screen, which is something you can patent now, apparently, um, to like, you know, the, the action of scrolling using fingers on the screen Mm -hmm. rather than a traditional scroll bar or something like that, uh, all the way down to, uh, user interface elements that are d- dynamic based on user activity. So I think the example listed in the patent filing was actually the the kind of genie animation that OS X uses when you minimize a window and it kind of shrinks down as if it's being sucked into a genie bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like it's as if it's a genie being sucked into a lamp. I guess is the proper thing. But anyway, explained. it's it's goofy. I mean, there's now in fairness, there's some things that are legitimate here. I mean, but the upshot, as with any kind of patent litigation, is most of these people settle. I mean, it's it's infinitely well, not infinitely cheaper, but it's a fraction of the cost to settle the settle these and then actually license the patents as it is to go to court and fight it out for ten or twelve years. So you're saying, in this particular case, do the is there merit to mm. these to the allegations? I mean, there may or may not be merit. I think I think what's going to end up happening is that it'll be completely irrelevant whether there's merit or not. I think what's going to happen is. HTC is going to look at the cost of answering the the Federal Trade Commission, uh, sorry, the International Trade Commission query, and the the lawsuit in Delaware District Court, and um, and say, look, we will pay you a couple million dollars uh, to license these patents, or we'll do a cross licensing agreement where you can use our patents, we can use your patents, whatever. There will be some exchange of money and some exchange of ideas. And nothing will change. Certainly not in the time frame that you'll have the phones that you have right now, um, or even the next phone you'll buy probably. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's if it's just a couple million dollars, I mean, I don't know, no one knows the exact amounts of how much these things settle for. If it's some type of cross licensing thing, Apple really there's not much to gain on Apple's side in filing this lawsuit, right? Well, I if, mean, it's a couple million bucks. Sure, that's that's for them. That's pocket change. The, the thing for them to gain is to squelch Android, right? They want to make Samsung and, and anybody else that's looking at making Android phones 
think twice about investing in the Android platform. I mean, that's that's all I can figure. That's the only upside I can figure they they get other than cash. Right. So it's it's, it's a warning sign. It's stifling competition. And, and it's, it it's a them, very Microsoft move. It makes them look like dicks. Yeah. Well, I I don't I kind of feel like software patents are always a little bit of bullshit and kind of stifle just general good innovation. But you know, that's the way corporations work. They protect the shit that they develop and and go after people who they feel are ripping it off. And, I mean, like I said, it's kind of an extortion thing in a lot of ways because what always ends up happening is – I mean, the TiVo, the TiVo Echo Star thing, the TiVo Dish Network suit is a perfect example. Um, in 2006, TiVo sued Echo Star, which was then the owner of Dish Network, uh, for patent infringement because the Dish Network PVR included um, – inclu- Dish Network set-top boxes included PVR functionality, which TiVo claims they have a really broad application patent for. Uh, went to court in East Texas, which is where a lot of patent stuff get goes for reasons we'll talk about later, probably. Um, and, I mean, it's four years later. There was an injunction last year that said uh, Echo Star had to disable DVR functionality, PVR functionality on all set-top boxes they, that were infringing. Uh, Echo Star has filed an appeal. There's been another injunction. There's a contempt of court charge. Basically, Echo Star is like $400 million in the hole right now on court costs. I mean, on, on fees, on, on penalties. Um, but nothing's actually happened. Like, the people who have Dish Network PVR boxes haven't had their PVR boxes turned off. And since the time that they filed this lawsuit, Dish Network has actually started shipping PVR boxes that are theoretically not infringing based on some new new implementation of the technology that bypasses the patented ideas that TiVo has. So for consumers, for the people who are buying these phones, by the time this lawsuit is settled, you're not going to have your ne- – your Nexus One is going to be a five-year-old POS, but even if they go to court and fight it out. I mean it's, it's, a, it's, a, losing, it's a losing proposition for everyone involved except for the attorneys and you know, maybe Apple will make a couple of bucks. So, I mean, hopefully they'll everybody will kind of get sane. There will be a cross-licensing deal. A little bit of money will change hands and everybody can continue going on building better phones every year. So we'll see how that goes. I, I think it's pretty um, – I mean, I, I'd much rather see Apple maintain a market lead by innovating and developing really amazing software than than kind of going down the patent lawsuit hole. I mean, don't you agree? Yeah. No, it definitely works out best for everyone. So, okay, so the other Apple story this week, uh, the, the moment we've all been waiting for happened this morning about uh, 7 o'clock when Apple actually announced that the iPad, the non-3G models, will be on sale on April 3rd. Correct? A Saturday, yes. I believe, which is a, we'll talk yep. about that in a moment. Yep. Um, but in a first, I think, for Apple, you'll be able to pre-order next Friday, April, uh, March, March 12th, 12th, rather. Yep. In-store and online. Okay. So first off, there's a bunch of firsts here. Apple's never done <laughs> Apple's never done pre-orders before that I'm aware of. I, I don't think so. I mean, the old policy used to be that you waited in line and, and you'd get it when you get it. And I assume that if you pre-order online, then you'll get the phone online. It'll be shipped to you. And if you pre-order so in the store, you can pick it up in the kill? store. So does this kill the waiting, the line waiting, the midnight? The... No, it just means everyone's going to go wait in line next Thursday night instead of Friday. Instead of it means the there's third. twice the line waiting, right? It's the, it's going to be the GameStop model where you're going to everyone's going to wait in line to pre-order, or maybe not much of a line to pre-order because I don't think pre-orders probably won't sell out. Um, Depends on how many. I mean, they haven't said how many they have. That's the big question, right? So. And then there's also, you know, April 2nd, April 1st, the big line waiting for people who already have pre-ordered 
to be the first to get. I mean, do you think people will wait in line? I mean, there will be like five people in line for that, but I think that's the kind of thing most people just swing by whenever it's convenient to pick up. I don't, I don't think people waited in line to buy the iPhone because they thought it would be sold out. I think they waited in line because they wanted to get it first. I think they waited in line because they wanted to have it on day one and they were afraid it was going to sell out. I mean, I know when no, you... No iPhone has sold out on... No Apple product has ever well, but, sold out but on day one. If you'll recall... Remember when you trotted down to the Apple store to get your very that was, first that iPhone? That was day, day three. Okay. People who do day one are fine. But if you wait, that's when you know, everyone's kind of skeptical. I think the people who wait in line for day one are the ones who want it on day one. All I know is that every time an iPhone has been released, there have been rumors of shortages. There's always people in line because they want to have it that day and they're afraid it's going to sell out. All it takes is, is Engadget or Giz posting a, ooh, Apple iPhone 3GS or 4G or whatever shortages. And there will be – I guarantee you there will be a line on Powell Street or on uh, at, at the Union Square Apple Store all around the corner. There was a line when you waited for your 3G outside Stonestown. There was a line when you got your 3GS. Oh, no. There, there are always tons of lines. Yeah. And, I mean, because I guess they got deliveries every day was the thing. So they could sell out for that day. They are coming over by the boatload, even as we speak. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, there's, no, there's no doubt. So the thing is, if you are sure you're going to get it, then there's no reason for you not to pre-order I mean, you know, on here, March 12th. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that was nice. When I ordered my 3GS over the internet, um, it actually arrived at like 10 o'clock on the morning of release. I mean, it showed up at the door. I was there ready to go. Is that, is that from Apple Store? Or that was from, from the Amazon? Apple Store, yeah. I didn't do it from, from uh, you mean AT&T. I did it from the Apple Store because I figured that they were, they were going to be more concerned about my satisfaction than, than AT&T probably would. We're obviously going to get one. We'll have hands-on first thing in, on the third, whatever mm-hmm. day it is. Um, I guess that's a Saturday, which is going to be weird. But we'll... that, that will be weird. I mean, that will mean, I think, more people being able to wait in line. Oh, definitely more people waiting in line. I mean, I think – I think. well, I think what's going to happen is we'll see pre-orders sell out relatively quickly, like within a week or so. And then there will be a limited allocation for people who wait in line on the store the day of so that Apple can get their nice press event and all the news people, local news will come out and be like, hey, what's going on? You're waiting in the Apple line. What would you take for your spot in the Apple line? You know what I mean? And. I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 it remains to be seen what it's interesting. I don't, I don't know what consumer interest is in this product. I mean, I don't know how much you guys care about it's, it. It's, uh, well, ours did a study, and I think it definitely waned after the initial announcement. And here's the interesting thing. Well, that's though, natural, though. That, that, which is perfectly natural because expectations were, were so high. Um, no one has seen a working iPad since day one. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they don't have an Apple store. There's nothing. No, I mean, they haven't done any, you know, Announcements about you know showing the UI again. What we saw on the first day is what we know of the iPad, the physical dimension, the physical properties I wonder, of the iPad. I wonder how much of that first UI demo was cooked. That, that's that's the thing, and people got to, you know hands on with it, you know in the in the preview press room after the keynote. Um, but I don't know how much of that is going to change between iPhone announcement and when you know when Jobs first showed it, and when iPhone came out because that was like several months. Well, that was from March to June, right? Yeah, so that was, was, you know, three months or so. They made subsequent announcements of, you know, the YouTube app is coming or whatever. There were spaces. I mean, there have been some book deal announcements and things like that and and some app announcements, a couple of little ones. Yes, a couple of app announcements. That's because the SDK is out and people can, you know, developers have programmed on it. But no one has seen, you know, the actual UI, the actual desktop that's I mean, and and the thing is, the desktop. When I was looking at those screenshots and looking at the talking to the people who'd used it, that that big 
giant open UI with all the little tiny icons on it. Mm-hmm. it seemed like the weirdest. It seemed very unappley. Oh, totally unappley. And, and the giant slide across slide bar. I mean, yeah. it was the stretched out version. The it, it just looks like they stretched stretch it up. Yeah, of, of exactly. the iPhone and scale. Uh, I, I, I remain convinced that that is not in you know in four months that will not be the iPad desktop and it unlock well, the screen. And, wh- whether whether it ships with that. And then it's updated shortly thereafter to a new version. Or, I mean, I wonder how much of an interim release iPhone OS 3.2 is going to be. Oh, that, if it's not would, coming to iPhone. That would be, that's such a bad business decision, though, to release a product with a you know interim well, it's early temporary. Adopters. UI. Apple has a real history of fucking over early adopters. I mean, especially if all the reviews are going to be based, initial reviews are going to be based on that interface. Okay, come on. Do you really think reviews impact Apple sales? I, I, I if think people, so. If everybody came out and gave the iPhone 4G a 2, is it not going to still sell like hotcakes? It, it, it'll, it'll still sell. But from, you know, from a business and marketing standpoint, why not tie the iPad launch you know, with the I, I, iPhone 4, version 4 UI, which Jobs has told his employees is going to be you know, an A-plus upgrade? Hmm. Well, I I don't know. I mean, it, maybe that's the big. Maybe that's the one more thing that we don't know about yet. I mean, maybe it ships with iPhone OS four, or maybe they figure that the initial early adopters. Maybe it's the iPhone, the original iPhone model, where the early adopters, you know, see it, they they get it. The people who are going out to buy that on day one are going to be the the people who are going to love it regardless. Um, I mean, the, the, the guinea pigs. I you know I think I think it's they got too complacent. They got lazy. Um, well, I, I mean, I think the HTC lawsuit shows that they're they're suddenly worried about Android. Well, now they are. Yeah, I mean, um, but I think in the planning stage, I think iPad obviously feels a little rushed um, compared to you know how, how thought out the iPhone was and how much effort was put in the iPhone. Um, and I think they got a little lazy, but I think they will ch- adapt and change because of all the competing tablets. Just today, the, uh, the new Courier screenshots emerged. Oh, um, I mean, hold on. Do you think the Courier is real? I think I totally think it's real. I, I hope it's real. Uh, the Courier shows me everything I I didn't know I want in the i I didn't know I wanted in the iPad, but now I really want. I mean, I, I will say there is nothing I have ever wanted more than a tablet that you know looks like the Courier and has two I, screens. I mean, if, if the promise is has high resolution text recognition, high resolution and, text is. You know, that's that's the killer app. I mean, it, it's well, but I mean, there's a lot of magic in there too. Like drawing a little box around the post-it note, and it makes the mm-hmm. drawing a little box around a note, and it puts a post-it diagram around it. And I, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty rad if it actually works. I mean, I I I look at this and I see as big a quantum leap forward as the iPhone was three years ago, and and I don't think Microsoft's capable of doing that anymore. I totally think they are. Um, it might not be like these renders. Uh, if you haven't seen the renders, they're on um, they're on Engadget. Engadget got the exclusive, um, and the UI looks you know it doesn't look like Windows Phone Seven. It doesn't look like anything Microsoft's. It doesn't look like really anything done. you've seen anywhere ever. Yeah, it, and that's what's innovative about it. And, and and a lot of it is very practical. Right. I mean, it it seems really really fast. Really, I mean, it's pretty. Gizmodo has a pretty good video of it too. Um, I think that might be from an earlier thing, but I, I mean, it seems almost like a digital diary, right? Mm-hmm. Like a like a. It's a journal. That's I think that's what right. they, they've tried to sell it as at least the, the preview. I mean, um, that's the thing that they seem to have done well that ha- I haven't seen on any PC or netbook or OS yet is that idea that it's it's an extension of your PC rather than 
um, you know, a, another thing that you have to maintain and keep data on and keep all your stuff up, up synced up on and all that. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of think, you know, Michael Gardenberg asked this morning if, uh, who thought the courier was a digital unicorn or if it was a real thing. I, I, I would love for it to be real. I think it looks super, super sexy. I just – it just seems too I, – I think it seems too good. It's too good to be true. Especially given Microsoft's history of shipping 1.0 products that are, you know, kind of stinky. Yeah, I mean, definitely not this year because, if anything, Microsoft, this is their year for Windows Phone 7. So, I mean, all these – all everything right now with Courier is concept art. Um, it, it, I mean, it seems like every single page concept. is designed. Like, is somebody somebody spent a lot of time making it look really, really cool. Yes. Um, so yeah, If anything, it's they released it so, you know, to, to – Convince people not well, to buy doubt. an iPad. It's just to put a little doubt. Yeah, it's to say, it's to oh, say man, don't, I why, spend why buy the iPad now? This? Yeah. I, I'm going to buy the iPad now because I want the newest thing. Well, you're a fanboy. Well, no, I want the newest no, thing. No, wait, we're it's, not fanboys. Not, not fanboys. I want, I want to at least be able to fit something tangible that represents the promise of the future. That's true. So... I mean, are you going to buy the keyboard accessory? No. God, no. Are you going to buy a dock? No. You know, it's going to work with a Bluetooth keyboard. Then, uh, then I'll just use a Bluetooth keyboard. I think with a dock and a Bluetooth keyboard, it suddenly is much more compelling for replacing my laptop. The interesting we'll about the dock is that it's also, and someone someone mentioned this, it's the first, uh, it's, it's well, additional purpose, it's a, a photo. It's a digital photo screen. Like, when you're not using it, then... Because you know exactly what I wanted to do was instead of going out and buying something that cost seventy five well, or eighty dollars at Best Buy, was to spend four or five hundred dollars well, on a what digital I mean photo screen. By digital photo screen, with it's a like giant the, plastic chum, bezel, like the Chumbi, you know, uh, the, the ambient information. The Chumbi cost ninety nine dollars. Well, the Chumbi is also not very portable. No, it's a, it sits on my alarm. <laughs> it's, it replaced my alarm clock. It sits next to my desk, to my to my bed. Maybe the iPad can be your new alarm clock. The Chumbi well. is the most badass alarm clock ever. Actually, I think the Nexus One might be my new alarm clock. I'm going to get one of the docks for it. The neat thing about the Nexus is you drop it in the dock, mm-hmm. switches to alarm clock mode. That you know, that's an innovation that we should see on yeah. more more devices. Put it in a dock, and well, look, the UI location, should change. Location to be in context mode. aware. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't even like. Why is it that the phone can't look at what tower I'm at and say, "Oh, I'm at work. I should be in silent mode now." Oh, or, I'm at you home. know, or, or set the ringer to that's, fucking that's super to- high. Totally true. You're at work, and the the homes, you know, the the default the home screen changes. should have you know your work email and your work to do list. And when you're at home and you're on a home Wi-Fi network, it should change to be your games. It doesn't and have to your... be Wi-Fi. It could just be based on the mm-hmm. cellular connection. Oh, I mean, no. I had a Windows Mobile app that did that five or six years ago. Why can't I? Now, get that now you're talking phones? about the future. Oh, and, and that's not here yet. Just because we want things to work the way they should instead of the way they do, that's the future now. All of a sudden, huh? Okay, I think we've talked enough about Apple crap. I I think Courier. You think it's real? I think it's a unicorn. Let's we'll see who. One of us is gonna be right. One of us is gonna be wrong. It's gonna be really exciting. You know, we'll we'll be back later to talk about that. A um, little bit of Windows Mobile news. We're not gonna do all phone stuff today, but we uh, we have a couple of PC things here toward the end of the show. Uh, Windows Mobile Seven, no backwards compatibility for old Windows for Mobile apps. apps. I don't think that's surprising at all. I mean, I think it's a it's surprising. I, I I wouldn't have thought that they would have done that. I think it's a good move. No, oh, no, totally. I think it's a good move. I, well, um, it's good to get a clean break. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, but it does really break away from all the the purists. 
the Windows, you know, mobile 6.5, the people who did like those apps, who invested heavily in those apps. Um, those people can keep their Windows Mobile 6.5 phones. I, I would like to have a third competitor in the smartphone, or fourth even. I mean, I nobody nobody ever remembers Palm, but Palm actually has made a pretty compelling little OS, even though they're not marketing it particularly well right now. Yeah, if, I, I mean, if if they're distancing themselves from 6.5 and previous Windows Mobile phones, then they can really invest in making... You know, well, seven a big competitor. We, I mean, we, we didn't we didn't have a site when six point five when seven was announced. So we didn't get a chance. But I mean, the 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 early announce the way 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 early announcement of seven essentially said nobody's going to sell six point five phones except for at enterprise for the next six or eight months. Yep. Um, Which is I think they're okay with that. Well, I mean, if you look at the kind of curve, yeah. like look at their sales of Windows mobile phones since the mm-hmm. iPhone, mm-hmm. what was it's it? I guess two point launched dip, with, uh, huge dip with Exchange. With exchange. Yep. Yeah, I mean, once that happened, the whole Windows mobile sales went off a cliff. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm really interested to see what Windows Mobile Seven looks like, or Windows Phone Seven, or whatever they're calling it now. Um, if for no other reason than it's the first first uh, like shipping OS with a kind of data centric. Ambient information display rather than rather than a list of your applications or although I mean I guess you could argue that Windows Mobile did that a long long time ago with the Today screen. Ambient display is the way to go. Yeah, context sensitive and relevant and ambient display. Um, anything else on Windows Mobile? No, I think we should move on. I mean the other stuff XNA Silverlight that's all old news. Expected based since it's based on you know the Zoom yeah, platform, the Zoom UI. Next thing is NVIDIA is killing video cards with a bad driver update. Yes. Um, um, I don't have confirmation from an actual somebody who's destroyed a card, but it seems like what happened. So NVIDIA released uh, its newest drivers, uh, 196.75, and NVIDIA cards are – its last-gen cards were, were pretty hot, especially the, no. the dual GPU cards. You mean the G92 <laughs> or the or the GT200? The GT200. Yeah, they got hot as hell. They got hot as hell, but like the, the GTX uh, 295, that's – what that's used sucks a lot of power, and uh, it needs a lot of needs a lot of cooling. And you know the ATI cards they don't use fans right for cooling. They use like it's almost like water cooling. It's the vapor cooling. Well, no, they use heat pipes. The heat pipe. No, they all use heat pipes now though. There's there's some type of vapor cooling system. The new ATI. Well, so, okay. So the way the way video card coolers work now, as a general rule, is there's a block that mounts on the GPU, probably on the memory as well. They run heat pipes to that. The heat pipes have a special con- fluid inside, some low content, low uh, vapor pressure thing that transitions from liquid to vapor at a closer to room temperature, temperature than mm-hmm. 212 degrees. And then there's also a wicking material around the edge of the heat pipe that pulls the moisture back down. Yes. Uh, so it can, so it, when it condenses at the top, it runs back down the outside of the pipe. Yes. Um, and then that goes to fins, which air blows over, and, and you get a cool. So they do have fans. Yes, so the important part, you still need fans to get the circulation working. Yes. Uh, turns out the latest NVIDIA drivers uh, screwed up the fans. Um, and people started noticing this with the StarCraft II beta. Oh. Uh, some people reported their cards getting up to Hold 104 on. degrees Celsius. <laughs> the StarCraft II beta runs on everything. It runs on everything, so it's not, not the game. And so Blizzard, Blizzard Tech Support was contacted, and their official statement was that it's NVIDIA's problem. This is according to um, Engadget, right? No, according to other, other sources. Oh, a bunch of other, okay. Yes. So the... You know, Blizzard's recommendation was go back to the previous drivers, and I think the previous driver versions were 196.21, and the newest ones were 196.75. And since then, NVIDIA has pulled the 7.5 drivers um, without explicitly admitting that they were uh, the problem. Um, 
So interesting. So I, I mean, if you're running 196.75 right now, uninstall is what we would do. Definitely probably. uninstall. I think some some people actually found ways to hack into the fan controls and max them out. That's uh, lame because then but, then you're going to sound like you have a, a yes blender in your computer. That's not good. While we're talking about NVIDIA, let's t- touch on Fermi a little bit. Um, they've announced naming. Still no release date on the cards. We're now uh, like six months overdue or something for Fermi. Um, the first two Fermi cards are going to be called GeForce GTX 470 and GTX 480. So I guess that means they're almost twice as good as it, the yeah, it's, uh, that's, 280. Like, do you remember a year and a half ago when they said, we're going to simplify our naming scheme? Because... I think that's I think they're sticking with the simplified naming scheme. Really? Because they jumped from... 8800 to 9800 and then i guess at 9800 they got the oh we we reached the dead shit. end right oh, shit. Yeah. so let's restart and claim we're re-simplifying the naming scheme mm. then they got gt let's not do gt100 it's gt200 series right well i mean part of the problem is that it's it's not clear i, th- I mean i think they're sticking with the same scheme well, sometimes it's, they're it's, using it's it linear. to intentionally That's obfuscate true. the information I'll, I'll, give, I'll give them that that the 285 is going to be faster than 275 even though right. 275 came out after the problem is that the 220 is a g92 card and not a gt200 yes. card yes. they don't do a very good job name. differentiating between the manufacturing process and the new card now they jump from 295 to a 480 uh, you know, i know that there's some people out there that really like to bitch about that i honestly think as long as the next bigger card is the is the faster number no it's, it's i'm impo- okay I with think, it i mean the process is kind of important i mean there's a great story on anand about how um, G, uh, like both Nvidia and ATI, when they're developing next gen architectures and next gen processes, they test the new process on an old architecture, right? Just to get oh, out the, the RB seven seventy thing, yeah, work out the kinks, about. yeah, right. And then and RB seven seventy was a total failure, but in, in that it didn't well, really let work. them figure out their problems with the forty nanometer process it, before exactly. they were doing it on a really high that's high right. value part. And so I think naming and that should go into consideration, or at least people should be made aware of that, so they're not. You know, they think they're buying. A I mean, I think at that best, point you just car. have to look at reviews, and you have to trust that the reviewer is going to tell you that the seven seventies parts are bad. Don't don't buy them. I mean, I don't think they were bad per se. They were just a little more sensitive than they should be, and a little underpowered for the price, or or a little underpowered for the for the performance you were getting. And the the yields were bad, I think. Well, but the yields are bad doesn't affect us. I mean, that's why the price was high, I guess. One last oh, announcement. Okay. Um, TiVo, TiVo Series 4 was also oh, announced. Oh, right, the TiVo Premiere. They're not called Series 4, it's yes, called Premiere. But technically, it is fourth generation TiVo. So, you know what's interesting is Gina, my wife, Gina, actually went and beta tested this, did like a focus group for this a few months okay. ago. Um, it's it's uh, flash based interface. It's much faster feeling by all reports than the current Series 3 interface. Um, most, most importantly, it's designed for high def TVs. So instead of working with a 640 or 720 by 480 screen, it's a widescreen. You're dealing with something that's designed for 1920 by 1080 or something like that widescreen. There's um, a, a little area above the top of the screen that can show, uh, like, I don't I guess it's not cover art for TV shows, but the equivalent of cover art. So um, whether that's for stuff that's on demand, stuff that you've already recorded, stuff that's available from Amazon, stuff that's available any number of other places. Um, it, it 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 seems much more accessible. The other thing that's interesting: new remote. Right, the new remote. I think the new remote's dumb. <laughs> Which they, yeah, I, I think it's dumb too. They're okay. selling so, separately. The new it, remote is a slider. It has a side slide QWERTY keyboard. Yes. So it makes the remote bulkier. It looks really kind of squatty. I mean, 
I think it's dumb because I've been using a Harmony for about five or six years now, and I mean, they can take the Harmony when they pry it from my cold dead mm-hmm. hands. Love the Harmony one. Um, no, not I'm, I'm using the I'm using the 885 or something. It's the one with the Z Wave stuff in it. It's it's crazy old. Okay. Um, but I mean that that's the that's I'm not going to switch my remote just to get a big dumb QWERTY keyboard mm-hmm. so I can search a little bit faster. Yep. I mean that makes me worry that maybe the search UI isn't as fast as they're saying it is. And and that it's going to be an annoyance to use the D-pad to type in stuff. So is this just a software update, or are there big hardware changes? Um, there are definitely hardware changes. It's still based on MPEG-2 compression rather than MPEG-4, H.264, or I guess H.264 is part of MPEG-4, but any of the MPEG-4 specs. Um, There's still no Wi-Fi built in. you got, you got to buy I, I'm that okay with that. dongle. I'm okay. It has an Ethernet port built in. That's fine. Well, I think it's going to need Wi-Fi eventually built in. Because one of the big features is all this web content that it's tied to and the new content partners. I mean, when you search a new a show, supposedly it's going to look on oh, Amazon and, and all it searches stuff. everywhere. Right, it searches YouTube. I guess not Hulu, but I think they have deals with Netflix and Blockbuster on Demand and a bunch of other places. I'm a little torn on that. I kind of like having I like keeping the different silos separate, so I don't actually see ads for stuff that I'm going to end up having to pay for. I think that sounds like a real drag. I don't know. How do you feel? You're not a and TiVo user. I'm now, not a TiVo user, but I mean. If if it's a big jump, I'm waiting for the the big connectivity jump from to jump on, hmm. to to get on board. I mean, here, here's the thing that kind of annoys me. I'm a Series Three subscriber. I've had a TiVo subscription for about ten years now. I mean, I got the first one in '98 or '99, maybe 2000. I can't remember. It's been it's been a long time. Um, I pay fifteen dollars a month or twelve dollars a month or whatever because they don't offer the lifetime subscription anymore. But the new one will have. I think we'll you'll be able to rebuy the lifetime subscription. Oh, that's good. That's something. I, I feel like if I'm paying for monthly subscription, I should get something for it, and I feel like my, you know, I should get some sort of software update, even though they're saying they're not going to do that for the Series 3. I understand that they're saying that the Series 3 isn't fast enough CPU-wise or graphically or whatever for that to work, but, I mean, I've been a loyal customer for a really long time. Um, I feel like $600 for a new PBR is kind of a lot um, mm-hmm. at this point when I can get it for $5 a month from Comcast without an extra $15 a month fee. No, you get you get twenty percent discount oh. if you're an existing customer. Oh, woo! <laughs> oh, I feel so much better now. Well, I'll take my eighty dollars and a hundred dollars, and yep. Wow, I could buy, almost buy two games with that. That's awesome. It's the world of CE. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It remains to be seen how good it is and what. I mean, if if the only improvement is that it shows YouTube videos when I search, I kind of I think I'm probably not going to care that much. The other thing that's interesting is it does support bidirectional cable card now, finally. So that means should your cable uh, provider want to support it, then they can give you on-demand programming, which is is actually pretty compelling because I watch a lot of college football and you know I'm a Tennessee fan, so I, I can't see Tennessee games out here in California that often. So uh, we do a lot of pay-per-view in the fall, but a- anyway. Uh, TiVo premiere is coming out. Uh, was there a launch date on it? It's a, it's quarter one. Yeah, I think Q one. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll definitely be covering that when when they're available. Last thing, I think maybe maybe we have one or two more things. Uh, Portal two. <laughs> Holy cow! Uh, um, I think it was kind of expected. Well, I mean, after they started changing the game and released all the mm-hmm. the heat, the yep. hints, and the arg, yeah, all that stuff. I, I mean, I don't think anybody's surprised. I'm super super stoked at the. Rumor as posted by GameStop. Yes, GameStop. Game, game, game GameStop, the, the game place stop. where you buy games. Yes, <clears throat> the uh, product description. Right, that said it'll have multiplayer co-op. Mm-hmm. I just can't think of the kind of mad craziness that we'll have playing co-op with that well, game. What I really hope is it's not going to be where 
I can only fire the entrance and no, you can only fire no. the exit. That would be lame. It has to be. It has to be more than that. I, I, I really hope so. I, I look forward to firing you into lava. Okay. Yes. Or, or you can, yeah. Um, the other thing, we've been playing a lot of Battlefield Bad Company 2 right now. Mm-hmm. The servers are finally working. Servers are working. The single-player game seems like, uh, um, well, let's just say it's a lot of cutscenes um, with a little bit of action and running for five minutes in between. It's a lot of overcompensating of for it being and not being Modern Warfare 2. I, I, I'm not playing it for single-player. I'm playing it for multiplayer. Well, I, think multiplayer I think everyone's playing it for multiplayer. The, the multiplayer reminded me why I loved Battlefield five years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like we were playing Battlefield 2 last night, which, I mean, all the way down to you crashing the helicopters into the side of the mountain. It was like a flashback to 2005. Yes. Which which begs the question, why does a game like this even need single-player? I mean, why not just sell it as a multiplayer? I think spend more effort it's on it. because the... multiplayer only doesn't sell on consoles. That's, that's super lame. Super lame. I'm, I'm I think... just saying... Don't spend all that money, you know, doing the voice acting and, and building single player maps. Make more multiplayer maps. Sell, and I, I would pay fifty bucks, sixty bucks. For well, how did a, that frontline game do? It was that was exactly what it was. It was a single player campaign that was a tutorial, no voices, just a whole shitload of multiplayer maps. And Except it sold like eight copies. Good. Except it, it it wasn't I, made by the people who made Battlefield. Yeah, it was. No, no, it wasn't. It was made by the people who made. Desert Combat. Oh, that's right. That's right. Desert Combat was the best part of Battlefield 1942. Because they had Battlefield to mod off I guess of. that's true. Um, the question I have is why is it that whenever DICE releases a Battlefield game, the server browser inevitably is shit? Was that? Why is the server browser always oh, shit in I don't know. Games? In all, every single Battlefield game, it's slow. and. Oh, my God. I it mean, takes like five minutes to refresh one server in my favorites list. When Battlefield 1942 first came out, I guess the way it refreshes, the way it renders the text isn't is tied to the way it renders like the the whole frame, and it's it's slow. It's like not like the UT yeah. server browser, like Unreal Tournament or even Unreal the, Games, like old school Quake or something like that. No, I mean, Quake they're, they're... I think had bad server browser issues. Quake Three had the worst server browser. Oh, ever. Quake Three did for sure. And and this Half Life had a good server browser. That. that Half Life is the money on server browsers. Half Life is yes, Unreal Tournament and Half Life. Excellent server browsers. Battlefield, no. And tying it to EA, and you have to basically upload your stats to their service. That's their copy of production, I guess. You have to tie it to your account. I, I'm okay. With, I, I like having it centralized. I like being able to log onto their site and see my stats. I don't think that I, works I'm okay yet. with that if it was faster. It just needs yeah. to be much it faster. It shouldn't be holding up the... I mean, it shouldn't take five minutes to refresh the server list. It, it takes five minutes just to close the game down. It, it takes longer to do it than it used to do on GameSpy on dial-up when mm-hmm. I was playing Quake 1 in the old days. Although, I will we'll still prefer that than... Then uh, the game disconnecting every time your internet connect disconnects. The game can you out the game. <laughs> you mean the Assassin's Creed effect? The the, the Ubisoft effect. Yeah, uh, I was reading Logan Decker's Twitter. He's the editor of PC Gamer, and he was bitching last night about how uh, uh, his Wi-Fi dropped and Assassin's Creed booted him out, and he lost like twenty minutes of progress. It's, it's suicide by cop. Oof. I, 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 you know, I'm glad. I was a little. Bu- I bought that game on Xbox. I was a little worried that I'd made a mistake. I regret nothing. I regret nothing. Yeah, it turns out they don't they don't punish console players for buying games. So, um, anything else? Uh, Are we I done think... playing Modern Warfare? Is that what the the release of the battle? Yeah, I went back, you know, to uh, a week ago just to try it, and the game is still broken as ever. Meaning the hacks, the, the hacks, no, running, not, not the shotguns. hacks. The, they're not hacks. It's well, just it's ex- the bullshit the exploits. It's the gameplay. It's the, the it's the in game imbalance, in game yeah. built in exploits where you can have two guys sit in a corner and shoot each other until one gets the nuke, or one guy with the one man army getting forty seven kills in one, and you know getting the nuke. 
Yeah, I, no I, fun. I will say, last night I had a glorious moment when um, I came upon a team of three snipers on a hillside, and I just backstabbed, backstabbed, backstabbed a whole squad. That made me feel good, and it reminded me of Modern Warfare. So, uh, you know, there you go. Um, I guess that does it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back every Friday, probably Thursday night, Friday morning. Sometimes we're working out schedules and stuff like that still. Um, if you have suggestions for section ideas, like uh, like uh, segment ideas, rather, that you'd like to hear us uh, talk about, or uh, just want to write in, call in, send us an email to uh, testedpodcast at gmail.com. I better register that and make sure we actually can get it. Uh, I think it's probably okay, though. Uh, next week, we'll be live on Ustream as well, so check my Twitter feed or the Tested Comms Twitter feed. So it's twitter.com slash testedcom or twitter.com slash willsmith, and we'll post that on the site as well as on Twitter uh, a couple days in advance to let you know when it's actually going to happen so you can plan your day around talking to Norm and I over the internets. Uh, for Norman Chan, I'm Will Smith. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. I'm stopping recording now.